welcome to another episode of The Cats Out of the Bag. This is Florentina, I'm a photographer, and together with brand designer Lisa, today we're going to talk about branding, what it is and what it does. Hi Lisa, how are you today? Good, how are you? Good. I have a few questions for you, and I think I'm not the only one. I think there's many people wondering, what is brand design actually? Maybe you can walk us through the process as well from an external point of view. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a good one because whenever people start their own companies and, and their branding and things like that, or at least when I get approached to do branding, it's usually with the question of just making the logo. And then they're saying like maybe some like additional branding stuff, but they really have no idea exactly what they need. Um so it can really differ that some people just like ask me for a logo, but that's not what branding is. It's a it's a part of branding, but it's a very small part of branding. So there's a quote from, I think, Jeff Bezos that I think really explains it well. And it says that branding is what people say about you when you walk out of the room. And I think that's a really good one to describe what branding really is. So it's really um, the thing that, what you make people feel about when they are talking about your brand the whole it's basically as if you are getting to know a person and you have to describe what this person is like the whole character so yeah it can really go much much further than than what people usually think of i think that that kind of sums it up really what about the process what do you do for your clients usually yeah, so um, like I said, most of clients, they, they approach me with logo design and uh, that they want to do some branding work and, and, you know, getting that stuff done. But they have no idea specifically sometimes what their target audience is. They're just like, I want to sell this product and anyone who likes it can buy it. But that's not really the way that you want to think because then you're just a very generic product um, trying to market in a, well, often a very saturated market. So for example, if you're uh, like a cosmetics company or a sports company, then there's a huge market that you can reach, but it's also very saturated. So you really have to think about what your target audience is and what your story is. Like, what is the story that you want to communicate? Because um often when clients come to me with their brief it's mostly about what like i like this and i want you to do this because i like the aesthetics of that i want it to look like this and that's fine but that's usually the wrong way to approach things um you have to make up your story and you have to Really specify your target audience, finding out what their story is and how your story can fit into theirs so that you your product is helping them, basically. So it's kind of the other way around. So usually when I start a process like that, I get the brief, um, seeing like how they want to have their branding done, the, the like the aesthetics, these type of things. Of course, I take that into account because they are also the expert in their own fields, but I also try to kind of coach and guide them 
the way that they should think about this type of stuff because it's sometimes a little bit difficult, I guess, but it's completely logical as well. So what is the first thing business owners can and should do when they start out branding-wise? Yeah, so like I said, I think it's mostly not only defining your target audience, but really profiling them. So really just make that your next obsession, for example. Like be obsessed about what your target audience is and what they're doing in their daily lives. Like how does a morning look for... Uh, the person that you want to sell your product for, like how how do they go about their day? What uh, items are they using every day? Um, are they more on Instagram? Are they more on Facebook? Are they obsessed with uh, apparel? Are they obsessed with health? You know, all of the like, what are they doing, and how are they doing their research to buy a product is so so important. So really to just make your target audience your obsession, I think it's the best way you could possibly do it. And don't like try to also narrow it down a little bit because like I said, if you're gonna make a product for a very generic audience, then you're gonna ha also have a lot of competitors. When you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, I think, really helpful. So to create an idea for who you are creating it for and to then see what they like as well visually and not specifically what you like. It's definitely important that you feel comfortable operating in a brand that you're proud of, but it should not be the main point, obviously. It makes a lot of sense to do this to research what their lifestyle is like and everything i mean it sounds a bit stalkerish <laughs> but it also makes sense because then you would know where to place the advertisements right yeah exactly and i mean just as well you can also make a profile of the clients that you don't want to um apply to basically so it's like what is your most hell client i think we've all had like clients from hell You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's also to know what clients you don't want to have. Um, yeah, it's just as important. You can just go ahead and make a fictional character and build this whole lifestyle, and and um, you know, just like you're writing for a movie or something, just make the characters that are fitted for your brand and just write them down. Like, what kind of job do they have? And then you even give them a name, give them a picture. I don't care. Just like, because that even when, even when you're doing that yourself, the whole strategic and design part, it's super helpful. But also if you're going to uh, hire somebody to do it, because it immediately gives a very clear picture of who your target audience is rather than, I don't know, I want housewives between 30 and 40, for example. And you can name the client that you don't want, Karen. Yes, Karen. I love the Karen stories. I've been obsessed with them recently. <laughs> I just want to go a bit deeper into the subject, like clients that you don't want, because I think that unless you're really familiar with um, how business works and everything, especially if you're just starting out, it might sound weird to say okay there's clients that I don't want but I really believe there's clients that you don't want to have because they cost you time and time mm -hmm. is 
a limited resource, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I always used to say, like, why would you expect a client to invest in your brand if you don't want to invest in it yourself? I always say that. And it doesn't always have to be about money. It can also be about time and effort. Because if you are DIYing your whole strategy and your photography as well, you're also making the investment of time. And you're also making the investment of time to learn how this is all supposed to be. So it's still an investment. Either you um, hire somebody or you're doing it yourself. But if you are expecting that it is um, just done for you and it's not an investment or whatever, then why are you even bothering about other people investing in your product if you don't care about it yourself. And that is basically where the cheap clients usually come in because they don't value the work that you do and they don't bother doing it themselves either. So that's really usually the rule of thumb that I have for clients that I think are good and bad or the clients that I want to have or or the ones that I don't want to have. Yeah, usually when, when they ask for a lower price, even before you get started and stuff like that, those are all tell signs that <laughs> this is not a good idea. Yeah. But if you can, in my opinion, if you can afford not to work with some of these people, I think it's best to just invest the time and energy in something different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's obvious if you don't want to do it, then... It's it's difficult, but yeah. yeah, but it's your your choice, and yeah. it saves you a lot of a lot of frustration and time, and sometimes even even money. Yeah, exactly. So don't be afraid to to back out of a like. Now I think we're getting super off topic, but I just wanted to to say one more thing because before we go back, is that for instance, um. Sometimes when I feel like I'm not sure if I can work with this client long term, I offer them a photo shoot for free. Mm-hmm. And if they like it, then they pay the product. But if they don't, they don't have to, which means that I also can back out at any point if I didn't like the way I work with them. Yeah, I think this can work for for many fields. To yeah. be okay if if it's a product, then that's different. But for services, whenever I get, I'm not sure about the client. I just do this, and if it turns out I didn't like them, then I can just back away without any strings attached. Yeah, makes total sense. Especially if you're you are like your service is very high end, like yours. I think you actually have the room to do that as well, and then um, it adds to your I think your service as well because. I mean, you're not like a random cheap photographer or something that's just like doing work for free because doing work for free is often attached to uh, what people think of like bad quality products. But if you actually have like all of this, these high end things attached to that service that you're doing for free, then it just adds to, yeah, I can't really explain it as well, but I think it's a very smart thing to do. Because it just makes people feel special for a second. You know, it makes people like you are very uh, confident about your work. That exactly. Like, I can do this for free because I know that you're going to gonna like it. You know, that, that type of thing. This is exactly I really what like I wanted that. to add. It's also a marketing strategy. 
because I yeah. basically give them the guarantee that I'm just gonna I'm gonna ace that thing. It's gonna be yeah. so good that uh, if I'm investing my time in it, I'm sure that it's gonna work out and that they're gonna be happy. But it also exactly. and also it's much easier for them to to hire me when they know there's no strings attached. And when they see the product, it's much easier to sell a product when the client already has it. Right? Yeah. It's when they good. like, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. It's because sometimes it's, especially also in design, it's very hard to imagine uh, what somebody can, add, like how somebody can add value to your brand. Um, but if you have a very specific example of how a creative person have solved uh, your problem in for your brand, and they can actually visualize how they're going to do it in the future and how it applies to yours. So I think it's a very good and smart idea. You just have to like be very careful how you apply it, at least for like young creatives. What I do to to keep my work safe is I send them samples with like a huge watermark on it, so they could never take advantage of my work. So for me, yeah. it's I'm I'm fine if I put in a few hours of work and it didn't work out, it's okay. But I will I would not give my work for free. So there's yeah. I think there's many ways of protecting your work in this this yeah. way. Yeah. So yeah, moving on, I would like to know what your favorite brand is and why. My favorite brand. That's a tough one. Um. Besides mine, thank you. <laughs> well, I made that one, so that's that's a bit that would be a bit weird. <laughs> no, but um, I really like uh Bolpentkum here in the Netherlands. I don't know what it. I is. don't know if you know it. Yeah, it's this. Um, I mean, they're like design wise. I'm not a huge fan of their brand, but just like. Because I feel like design is just a very small part of the entire brand. Um, but the way that they communicate online, uh, how they do their branding, I think is really cool. Because I mean, I don't know if, it, it's, if it's my favorite, but I think it's definitely cool. Is where they make like word jokes with their products or they engage with their audience just making... Uh, or other brands, they even like engage with other brands... Uh, trying to troll them, for example, but it's really the brand is super directed to young people ordering stuff online. It's basically the general Amazon user because Amazon, I think, is their greatest competitor. But Amazon is not playful like that at all. Mm -mm. No, so Bolpentcom, they like I follow them on Instagram solely for their funny posts because they're hilarious. I don't care about their products, to be honest, but I really like how they communicate online with the people, the general, they're very engaging with their target audience. I think that that is a very big part of it all. Yeah, that's awesome. I also remember um, recently, or not so recently, you know, I live under a rock. I don't know what happens, but it came to my ears that Burger King, I think, did mm -hmm. this thing where they liked... A Twitter posts from like I don't know a few years ago from celebrities or stuff like that and when they saw it they were like oh I don't know why Burger King like my tweet from I don't know how many years ago so they posted it you know it was like a marketing um, trick oh that's smart 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's very smart. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so back to branding. What are the things people should pay most attention to when started building a brand? Is it like now we've talked target audience, which is super important. So you have to pay a lot of attention to that, but going a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think it's, um, well, if you're going to actually create your branding identity design, so really your corporate identity, um, I think it's very important to get a little bit into color psychology and like um, how fonts do a very specific thing. Like I know that there was a research done by New York Times, I think in like the 70s or 80s, even maybe later, I have no idea, but where they um, printed in different fonts to see what articles people believed more, what articles uh, would think people think that actually happened like it was true or false um and so fonts played a very big part in this in their research so there's also a lot about font psychology and these are things that you can easily look up um these are things that are not very hard to do so really getting a basic uh, at least a basic very very basic understanding of how um psychology and design works because you don't have to like have everything on point but if you just know a little bit of where to look for in a mood board, because that's what really important is, is that you start a mood board based on all of these things that you've read on or learned. Um, that you create the mood board that fits with your persona and every decision that you make within your brand, you're going back to your persona and thinking like, would she like this? Is this something that she would be attracted to in a way or he, you know? Um, and then you can slowly start to think about logo. So really the main thing I think for me is to create the overall look and feel first, and then you're creating the logo. Um, that can be difficult for a person to do themselves. What I would personally suggest if you're DIYing it is to get the font and just write it out temporary until you can afford to hire someone else because it's like logo design is a very um it's a very complex thing yes but to me personally i don't think it's the most important thing for the whole brand identity i think consistency in colors and fonts is more important than your logo to me at least so i would focus on that creating that and um creating it like a guide for yourself of what you're using and when is very important, uh, much more important than your logo, to me at least. I know that there are some designers that might not feel the same way, but I would trust a brand more if there's consistency in colors and fonts throughout all platforms than if they're just having a blank page with like random colors and stuff with just a logo that is consistent. I don't care about the logo. I care about the look and feel of the entire brand and the feeling that it gives me. And the logo is not going to do much for that if the rest of it is shitty. So, I agree. Yeah. This is actually what I did for a few years. I used my name in a specific font because um, I actually had the logo made a few years ago, but then I kind of grew out of it and I wasn't mm -hmm. sure where it was going. So until I actually had a specialist 
Thank you, Lisa. Me. Again. <laughs> Do it. I just use the font and focused on other things. Like yeah. you say, consistency with colors. And I think a good indicator that you're doing the right thing is that if someone would go through your Instagram feed, for example, they wouldn't know it's your post without seeing your username first. It's yeah. not easy to achieve. It requires a bit of time, but I think this is something that you should aim for. If you can ace yeah. that, then you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. And Definitely. what about rebranding? What are some success stories for notorious brands Ooh, when so rebranding? Like yeah, I also like yeah, when like we're talking one. about notorious brands because it's um, so easy for other people to know what we're referring to. <laughs> Because yeah, maybe um, some of the time we're talking about stuff and because it's super familiar to us for um, some user, it might not be. But when we're talking about big brands, I think much easier yeah, to definitely. understand. Also because everybody has an opinion on it as well. And there are a lot of articles written about it. So everybody has a different side of it. Um, I actually thought about a case a while back because I've been seeing more and more ads for some reason. Uh, but do you know Huel? This or I don't know if it's pronounced like that. It's Huel, like the sports yeah. brand that's like doing um, shakes and stuff, like meal yeah, shakes. Yeah, they're all over things. my Instagram ads. Yeah, I think they've pumped up their ad revenue, like their ad budget or something, because I'm seeing them everywhere. But um, I'm like, bitch, I, I cannot go to the seventh floor without <laughs> grasping for <laughs> air. What do you want from me? <laughs> Yeah, I I think that I read, I remember reading an article a couple years ago, actually, where um, their, like the moment that they rebranded, their revenue shot up, like, I think 200% or something, 220. Wow. Now, I think that, honestly, I don't think that the rebranding is, is like, uh, it was solely the, the, the reason why this happened, but I do think it's a very, very big reason. And their branding is like super simple, honestly. It's just black and white in Helvetica, I think. So at least from what I've seen, it's super straightforward, but I think that that is what I really like about The Ordinary as well. I don't know if you know the skin brand, the skincare brand. So just a second, Helvetica is a font for users who do not speak font language. <laughs> font language yeah uh if you're not if you don't know helvetica then shame on you but <laughs> um yeah so i think that um or like what was it the ordinary Organ I, or the ordinary oh. ah yeah i love i mean i love their branding yeah but i it's because it, i think it's not helvetica but it's something like helvetica it very much looks like it but it's very like no nonsense uh this is it take it or leave it kind of branding and but i this really is, like that it reflects the branding uh, it reflects the brand's essence actually because this is what the ordinary is i right they sell yeah. their products that are usually in uh much fancier um creams or cosmetic products and they just sell what's important out of it at a much cheaper 
price because yeah. they're like, you know, you don't need all the fancy stuff. You can have here vitamin C. There you go. Exactly. So I've been reading a lot about uh, cosmetics and why all of these products or at least the competitors from an ordinary are so expensive. And it's mostly because all of these skincare brands, they have a huge, huge marketing budget to market their products. And that is what makes all of these active ingredients so expensive to, you know, compared to when you're buying it from, I don't know, Estee Lauder or uh, I don't know, Lancome or whatever, outside of the fact that it's just a like an expensive brand, huge amount of budget within these brands are going to marketing. And the ordinary said, well, we're just going to take out like the the active ingredients from this product and put it in ours. We're just going to say like, okay, this is what you're using it for. Don't use it if you have this and you can use it maybe in combination with, um, I don't know, these products, but they, I've never seen an ad or anything from the ordinary itself right and mm -hmm. then they also when they're communicating it it's not like oh my god you're getting such luscious skin which you know something like that <laughs> what you always get in these stupid like i don't know l'oreal commercials or something it's always like oh my god you're gonna look like you deserve it it's because you i deserve, deserve it, it. <laughs> and you're gonna look so radiant you know something like that you're not gonna hear that from the ordinary it's just very straightforward brand and their their branding reflects that because it's super trend it just looks very transparent and that's also the way that they communicate so i really love that brand and they exploded over the past year just because of this because that is how they made their product affordable and this is why i think it's as well so important to really get to the roots of your product really optimizing your product at first because it's the most important thing and then build your story around that. Because the other uh, case that I had that I I think is a great example of this, like exactly this, was Harley Davidson. So they, I think, I read an article once that they almost went bankrupt because their product quality wasn't really good, apparently. I had no idea about this, but I read it somewhere, is that their whole branding made it look very high end and like super high quality, but apparently their products weren't and their motorcycles went breaking down and stuff like that. So they actually almost went bankrupt because of this. So they actually had to go back to their product, um, improve it so that it would actually match the quality that they're communicating in their brand. And that's what saved their company eventually. I had no idea about this, but I read it a while back. I was like, oh, this is actually, <laughs> yeah. So definitely go back to your product, improve that as much as you can, and then build your story around that. This is a very interesting way to go about it, but I, I love it because sometimes maybe you're, you would like to have a certain brand, um, but your product isn't reflecting it. So you can also adjust your product according to your branding and not the other way around. So... This yeah. is really cool. Awesome. Yeah, it was good. Do you awesome. also maybe know um, a brand that did a rebranding and when they did that, um, it was bad for them? Yeah, I actually also read in an article once the example of Gap. You know Gap, the brand? Oh, yeah. Isn't, aren't they also... bankrupt? And... Yeah, they have been, I think, a while. But like, I think they're still existing, but they bank went bankrupt a couple times almost. Uh, I don't know when this was, but they announced a rebrand 
um, I think two or three years ago or something. And it was actually also written in Helvetica. <laughs> and then with the square on it, like it doesn't reflect the brand at all in this case. Uh, but they just had like Helvetica Gap and then with a the square and everybody on Twitter lost their shit. They were like, this is the shittiest thing you guys have ever done. It looks shit. It's it's awful. And then what Gap did was even worse is that they uh, they were on Twitter like, okay, if you know better, then give us an example of how to do it better. So they basically launched a design challenge for people to rebrand that's company. a great way to to outsource your stuff when you're bankrupt yeah, but honestly <laughs> if you're trying to i don't know because they're an apparel business right i know and and if you are saying like i you know it's basically when you're doing that it's kind of like we don't care about our branding if you think you can do it better then just go ahead and do it that's the idea that I'm getting. It's like you don't want to want to invest. It's exactly what I said before. It's like you don't want to invest in your branding, in your product. Then how do you expect somebody else to do it? And that's exactly what happened with Gap because they have been on a huge downfall ever since. I think like with their branding, I think they even changed it back to um, the their old one. And I, yeah, I don't even know if it was like. Um, like a, a thing that they did on purpose to actually get, I don't know, free outsource design or to just like start a conversation or something. But even from a design, like a branding perspective, launching something like this as a brand like Gap is, it's just fucking dumb. It's really dumb. Sorry. That <laughs> it's really dumb. <laughs> I think that the Twitter employee was fired soon after this event. <laughs> Oh, it is horrible. It's yeah, I remember this when this happened. This is yeah. Sorry, Gap, not a smart move. Um but coming back to regular people who are just starting out and they want to do something more than just um simple photography, maybe some nice graphics. What are some easy apps people could use to create visuals ranging from easy to advanced in terms of how skilled you must be in order to, to create and time-consuming as well? Um, well, I know that a lot of designers, they have a huge hate for Canva, but I think if you're a design noob, you have no idea what to do. I think it's actually a great app to get started. Um, cause you can create your own templates and, um, you know, make social media content without any like expensive software, for example. So I think Canva is actually a really great way to get started if, if you have to, um, I personally use a lot of like Photoshop InDesign and Illustrator, but I know that's not really, um, available for the general public. <laughs> So, yeah, I would say, at least for making ads and stuff, Canva is probably the way to go for, for like, the general public, I think. I haven't really checked out, like, a lot of, um, like, free tools. I know that Adobe uses... Um, Spark? I think it was Spark, yeah. I don't know if Spark is for free, though, on the phone. They might be as well, like Lightroom, but... I think same way 
as Canva. I think there are some things that are free and some things you have to pay for. Yeah. And then also, if you have an iPad at home, um, buy Procreate. It's super straightforward. It's like only like what is eleven it, like fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's eleven less. euros. It's like eleven dollars euros. Yeah, something like that along those lines. And it's super easy to create. You can also add text nowadays. And you could just like, you know, layer it up and just like make your own content as well. Just with your, your Apple Pencil. I think it's also a bit... It's not generally used for that, this app. But I think it's definitely good to use Procreate for something like this. Yeah, at least to make some stories, backgrounds and... Yeah, I think yeah. it can work. You're right. Yeah. Well, so is there anything else that you would like to add? No, I think that we've had, like, we talked about all of the important stuff. I think people now should have a general idea about what it contains and what it doesn't contain or how to at least move your your first steps into the world of branding. So... I hope that helps. <laughs> oh, there's a cat! Yeah, the cat a- joined. Okay. I'm so sorry that you cannot see this on because um yeah, it's a podcast. I don't know if but people like <laughs> joined. We should give like a visual idea of what this looks like because we are always on Zoom and we use these huge blankets to kind of um like how do you even say that in English? Like uh for noise and stuff. Yeah, we all we both make a blanket for to fix our audio, and well, in very occasional times, then the cats from Florentina they jump in and make the whole call a little bit more interesting, <laughs> and so that just happened. So we yeah. now have the cat in in the blanket for it. Yes, and now we right. have uh, the cat purring. Maybe we can use this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. pimping out my cat for some podcast uh, downloads. <laughs> yes, let's let, 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 let's exploit your cats for for plays and downloads. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> She's enjoying it so much. Yeah. See it. So I You're think like, it's yeah, time to to wrap yeah. this up and yeah, you have to to follow us, guys, on on instagram (laughs) and yes give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. it would help us a lot to get more people to listen to us and and if you have any questions you can reach out to us on social media slide into our dms we're gonna be happy to answer your questions Exactly. So on Instagram, you can find us at the C O O T B, and Florentina's Instagram is. <laughs> I think your cat ran out again. There she goes. Aw, he's so cute. Yeah, so Florentina's Instagram is Golden Hour Pictures, and mine is Lisa Jacobs Design. Florentina's just making selfies with her cat, obviously. Yeah, Instagram. Then I get with your attention one second. Yep. Cat runs in and you're. I'm. It's like I'm completely gone. First of all, <laughs> she's my baby. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.